It's the Imperial Podcast with Andrew and Eric. Let's talk beer that we're drinking right now just to get things going. 8.5%. That's right in the in the fun zone. Ah. <laughs> Bush. <laughs> that was the worst. Cheers, man. That was gross. Cheers. Uh, welcome back to the Imperial Podcast. We're doing it. Um, I'm Andrew. This is Eric. We're real excited to be doing this. We just we just spent way too long fighting computers, and it uh, feels good that feels good that we're actually recording now. Yep. Uh, well, first things first. What are you drinking? Well, in honor of our of our uh, opening segment here, I am drinking uh, one of my go tos. It is Top Cutter IPA from Bale Breaker Brewing nice. Company uh, in yep. the uh, the beautiful Yakima Valley. Delightful yeah. beer, solid, 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 solid beer. I really. Um, Gosh, I really enjoy that brewery. They do some real nice things. They do. Real nice things. The thing they do the best is have uh, the best proximity to the resources. <laughs> they are very close. They're very close to the hops. They also uh, utilize them very well. They do. They're not just... Um, I am drinking... This is called Hop Choppin'. Uh, maybe you're familiar with it because I think it's up in your neck of the woods. Maybe uh, it is Lumberbeard. Great spot brewing. Yep, uh, great spot. Uh, this is a West Coast IPA, and uh, tastes. Re- it, I really enjoy it. It's pretty clean. Uh, it's not over the top, but very, very. It's just a nice hot profile in there. Phenomenal people. Two really good folks at Lumberbeard. Um, do they look down at people that don't have beards? They have one of the coolest logos. I love their logo. Yeah, I think They're, they do. I think they do look damn. down on people without beards. No. They don't have beards. Yeah, if you don't have a beard, you can't. You actually can't go in. It's one of their rules. Dang it. No, they're uh, they're super good people and uh, have a really good spot in, right right in downtown in a part of town that there's not a lot of cool. Uh, I don't say this politely. There's a lot of uh, interesting <laughs> streets in the neighborhood <laughs> that they for their brewery. Uh, kind of abandoned part of town uh, and they opened a brewery and it's freaking awesome and I have my fingers crossed that they're going to make it through COVID because they opened moments before the pandemic hit but they're still selling growlers and they, they got a little canner and they're they're doing the best they can really good folks nice people, I like them, great spot to hang out as well, they have cornhole and yeah. shuffleboard so it doesn't get nice. better than that. I'm a fan of both. I'll have to, I'll have to make that on a, a priority on the next time I head up there. 
Heck yeah. It's Super across the street by. from Dick's Burgers, so it's perfect for, like, mm. have yeah. a beer or two too many and then go grab a double whammy before you head home. It's dynamite. To the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to throw up. Yeah, you're going to throw up. Uh, the So, fun fact about this beer, which you... Here's the disappointing fact. So, I do a... I do a uh, festive brews every single year, and some of my favorite people from past seasons of my life are invited to come to my house, and everyone brings a beer to share with the crew, and then I try to bring a, a beer for everyone as well. So we have a great evening just trying all kinds of stuff out, and typically um, it is the best beer that I drink all year long. Like that's that very high quality, which is a lot of fun. Um, and this year I'm a little bit later than I usually like doing it. And you, Eric, bumming me out, saying that you got family in town the weekend that I'm scheduling it, so you I can't know. even show up. Um, which I don't know how I feel about that. But this uh, this is going to be. I bought a four-pack of it, so I was like, well, I can open one for today. Yeah. Since we're going to talk about IPAs, I was yeah. like, we're going to... That's great. Where did you get it? We'll do it. They actually had it at Smokes and Suds. Well, that's great. Good for Lumberbeard. Getting it on yeah. the road. Yeah. I know I'm devastated about Powell Festa Brews. Um, yep. Sometimes when you get married... Which- you do things that you don't want to do, yeah. and even if it's good stuff, sometimes you have to say no to it. Yep. I will say, if uh, if anyone is listening that wants to include some fun in their life, and he, I mean, this is really is a great opportunity just to have an excuse to invite a bunch of a bunch of friends over and drink some beers that's really all it is but it's fantastic i would highly highly recommend it and yeah, ex- explain it well instead of going to a, a brew fest where i mean honestly most of the brew fest that you go to it's the same it's the same like they may have they may have one or two different seasonals that are different per brewery but for the most part it's 80 percent of the same breweries and it's 90 percent of the same beers and that's great, and it's fun, and depending on how big your brew fests are that you go to, you know, you can have a variety in there. However, there's really, really good beer from all over the, well, all over the world. I prefer all over our country first, but, um, and those aren't available at at your local brew fest. So, um, I, we've been doing this, how long, six years maybe? Something like that. Something like that. I probably should have looked beforehand, but um, so we just kind of throughout the year, especially the last couple months beforehand, I'll try and grab some beers if I find them interesting or highly rated on a couple different apps, and uh, pick those up and save them, bring them in for the the old brew fest. It's fantastic. A lot of fun. It's a great time. I really love it. Um, so that brings us to our first first topic at hand is what, Eric? 
I'll let you introduce this one. Yeah, let's talk about beer. Uh, I thought we should talk about uh, the craze that is the IPA. Uh, from my beer drinking experience over the last seven years, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, every brewery, every every place that makes beer, it seems like their flagship is typically their IPA. And it's interesting to me because all of my friends who aren't super into beer are really into IPAs. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about why that exists, why IPA culture is a thing, how IPA uh, as a a style became a thing, which I don't know, like, the grand details, and I don't really think we need to, like, do a bunch of research here, but... (laughs) I, I know a little, deep dive. I know a little bit, uh, and I'll express my opinion about why I think the IPA craze has has jumped to the the forefront of every brewery's uh, uh, priority list. But the IPA, why does the IPA exist? Why is it the most popular genre right now? Uh, at, at least in at least in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, the, the the standard brewery visitor is walking in and going, what's your IPA? Yeah. So why do you think that is? I have a, I have a couple different ideas. Um, one, I feel like they're... The flavor of an IPA, so obviously it's hop-driven, um, it's more, shall I say, refreshing than some of the other styles, especially if you get into a darker beer. And I think um, I think that has something to do with it. Uh, it's brighter as, a, as far as a flavor goes, where some of the other flavors can get... Flavors. Some of the other styles can get a little bit... Um, I don't know, more difficult to handle, I guess, on the palate. Although I... I don't know. My own personal experience, it took me a little while be able f- before I was able to appreciate IPAs. Um, the hop, the hops, man, that just blew out my palate at the very beginning. And it was so, everything was so bitter. If it was an IPA, it was bitter, bitter, bitter. Um, I kind of, <laughs> for me, I just decided, I was like, I got to get, I got to get over this. And so I just wouldn't turn it down. And over time, I started to be able to pick up different aspects of the hops that I was drinking. Um, and that made it a lot more enjoyable. And, you know, your palate grows and changes over time. But I don't I, I don't know if, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know is probably the best answer that I have for why it's the most broad spread. I hope you have a better answer than that. I don't know if I have a better answer, but I have a answer (laughs) that's different than what you just said. Great. Uh, So uh, the history I know about IPA, IPA stands for India Pale Ale. Yep. From my understanding, the India Pale Ale was designed... And I'm going to use loose loose terms. I'm going to use loose terms here. Let them loose. Let them loose. 
Uh, I'm going to use loose terms here because I don't even know exactly if I'm sure which war I'm talking about. But there was a war. Okay. In my heart, it was World <laughs> War II, but I don't know if that's accurate. In oh, which... so much fun. Yeah, I'm going to... I mean, again, nobody's listening to this, but if they right. were, they would be like, you... You are the most ignorant person, and I would say you're right. Uh, but basically, British troops were in India. I don't know yeah. why they were there, from my understanding. And they wanted to send the boys beer, but it was too far of a travel for the beer that the Brits were used to making and serving and drinking. Yeah. And by the time the beer would get to the troops in India... It would be rotten. Yep. And so they learned, and by they, that's a very loose term. I don't know who they is, but well, they everybody learned. Everybody knows who they is. It's yeah, them. They learned that hops were a natural preservative. Yeah. And so by adding way more hops to their English-style ale, it would keep the beer from getting gross and moldy in the long voyage to the troops in India. Therefore, the India Pale Ale was born. Uh, That is a backhanded history lesson. That has nothing to do... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like that is about as accurate of information that you can expect from this podcast. Yeah. Just a bunch of like... We're going to, I think we have some facts in there. Yeah. Most of it sounds okay. I think I heard this There's once. a large percentage that could be a little bit off. Absolutely. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. But that has nothing to do with why I think bros drink IPA. Right. I think bros drink IPA because they, the beer drinking community... Has been drinking beer for a long time. Yep. And then they learned that there's a beer with the ABV of a cocktail. Yep. And typically, IPAs are higher ABV than your standard lager or ale or Heffy or anything else. Um, You know, without going into, obviously, yes, since then, you know, since... Since the birth of craft beer, obviously you could you could really boost the ABV with a you know a double IPA or a, some some stouts and and that kind of stuff. There's there's a lot of different options as far as ABV goes now, but mm-hmm. I think at the core of it, it was a bunch of uh, no offense, ladies, a bunch of dudes who were like, we like to drink beer, we like to drink light beer, but we also would rather get drunk quicker. And so if you have something that's kind of like what we drink, but with a lot of times double the ABV, I mean, yeah. this this beer I'm drinking now is uh, this Top Cutter. I mean, it's I would consider this Six. like a regular IPA as far as... So like 6.8, 6.9? 6.8, you nailed it. Where like a Coors Light or something, it's like a 4.3. Just, just call four, me a bro. Yeah, 4.2. So you're really talking about you know, getting that buzz going a lot faster. So if you yep. can overcome or learn to learn to enjoy the flavor profiles of an IPA compared yep. to a light beer, then all of a sudden 
you're getting you're getting the same mental uh, excitement from two beers instead of four. Yeah. So that's what I think. Uh, and then it's just exploded into. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean around here, anyways, in, in Spokane, every brewery has a couple IPAs, and then maybe yeah. a double, maybe a triple. Uh, a sing, you know, they, they, pretty... they might have a single hop. They might have, you know, they'll have four or five IPAs on their menu. Yeah, I think it's pretty standard throughout our country. I mean, when I go over on the East Coast, it's still the same over there. And whenever I stop, you know, in the middle of the country, it's still the same. When I head south, it's still the right. same. Like yeah. it's everybody has an IPA, and mm-hmm. that's the. I think there's an aspect too of. Um, Gosh, now I'm going to sound like an a-hole. Uh, palettes being refined. Like, not very long ago, people drank, the vast majority of people drank really crappy beer. And unfortunately, there's still a lot of people that drink really crappy beer. And by really crappy beer, and that's not to say that I don't ever drink one of those either, Uh I just call them beer water because that's about the flavor profile. It's like it's it's beer that's been watered down is what it tastes like. I mean, it's just not all the way there. Where you step up into an IPA and it's so full of flavor. And the first couple times you, you drink it, you might like spit it out and be like, oh my gosh, that's so bitter or what the, was that? But I think we have a desire... And in, well, at least in my experience, people have a desire to gain a fuller flavor. Like we're always looking for something that is a bigger, bolder, you know, deeper, richer um, flavor profile. And as long as it's hitting on a couple different aspects and within the, you know, what's acceptable on our palate, um, the, the bigness of those flavors can be can grow on you real fast real fast yeah yeah it's interesting i i think that uh so like i'm not an ipa juggernaut like yeah i'm not just sitting here every night of my life just how many ipas can i crush and the biggest reason for that personally is as I'm experiencing right now, as I'm drinking an IPA, uh, ABV doesn't come from hops. ABV comes right. from grain. Yep. And so hops, uh, you know, contradict the sweetness that would come from a beer that has right. a lot of grain in it. So an IPA with 6 and 6.8% uh, ABV it's got a lot of grain in it. So that's a big mm-hmm. beer. It's it's thick. Uh, it's not thick like a stout, but it's thicker than a pale ale or a lager or a, you know, right. anything anything lighter obviously. And uh, and then the hops balance out that sweetness or or right. even contradict that sweetness with a right. bitterness. Yeah, yeah, contrast. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so this beer is delicious, but it's it makes me very full, so mm. I love the taste of an IPA, and I I'm 
I have a little saying that's uh, never a bad beer. Some are just better than others. I enjoy all beer. I enjoy IPAs, but I can't. I'm not like a sit back and crush two or three IPAs. I'm like a have one and then switch to something else because it makes me like burpy and feel very full in my stomach and I want to drink more than one beer. So typically if I have an IPA, it's only one. Hmm. I don't have that problem. (laughs) You're more experienced Uh, than me. I do. So I also, I mean, we've talked about this before. I enjoy a a very broad spectrum of beers. I I mean, there's very few beers that I drink and I'm like, yeah, probably not going to go down that road again. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy beer, all different styles, all different types. Um, uh, IPAs, it's kind of home base for me. It's just the, um, I can, I can, I, well, it doesn't matter what kind of mood I'm in. I can always handle an IPA. Whereas like if it's a stout, I feel like I've got to be in a stout mood to drink a stout. I can't just pull a stout out any day of the week and be like, this is perfect. Whereas an IPA, like I said earlier, for me, it's refreshing in that even though that might be a heavy in there because of the grain content and all that that you just described. And it may blow out your taste buds for the next hour or whatever. But um, I enjoy I Yeah, that's home base for me. That's where I usually circle back around to. And I, th- I think that's probably, that's pretty common from, yeah. from the folks that I've talked to. And that's why a lot of the breweries, their IPAs are their flagships. Yeah, and I I I totally agree with what you just said. I I think that uh, the reason that a lot of breweries take their IPA seriously mm-hmm. is because it hits a it hits a big market. Yeah, and yeah, for, for sure. it it hits a market of people who are like you who are really into beer, and you're like, this is my baseline. Yeah, and it also hits the opposite end of the beer drinking world where it's like I used to be a you know macro brew light beer guy right, right. but I dig IPAs so yep. you and a guy who only drinks you know Coors Light and IPA yep. you know I have a lot of friends who drink either Coors Light or Bodie's Offa that's yep. it yep. so if you went to a brewery with them they would be like, what's your IPA? And then you would be like, I'm just getting started. What's your IPA? So they're going to sell a lot of it on both yeah. sides of the spectrum. So it makes yeah. sense. What is your yeah. take on, uh, like, do you have a, do you have an opinion on single hop IPA, fresh hop IPA? Is yeah. an IPA only an IPA if it's fresh hopped or dry hopped? Uh, what do you think there? I think, uh, you know me, I'm open arms and loving. Everyone is welcome. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> you call it an IPA, we're friends. Uh, I, I, I'm not that uh, discriminatory when it comes to all of that. I think that each one offers a very unique aspect, and I feel like I have a good respect for each one. 
Um, I thoroughly enjoy. So if you're getting into beer drinking and you're actually like, I think I enjoy this. I think this is, I don't know if you want to call it a hobby because that sounds like a, a hobby towards alcoholism, but uh, if, if this is just something that you hey, enjoy, which I do. Cards, if that's the card you have in your hand, <laughs> then that's what it is. You know? uh, I think that the single hop drinks that you can get, and there's single hop pale ales too. There's not just IPAs, but um, that allows you to truly, it's like a, you can shake hands with a, with a hop that way. You can actually get to know the hop profile and, you know, of course, homebrewing, it brings in a whole other, like, okay, you have the aromatics and you have the bittering um, style of hops and some, some hops do both of that. And the t- depending on when you put them in the boil, um, it, d- it tastes differently. Uh, or if you dry hop with, with the same hop, it does something different. And if you use the same hop throughout the whole entire process, you know, two or three different times in different places, um, it provides a fuller understanding of that hop, that individual hop. So I think that's really unique. I, I thoroughly enjoy single hops. Um, fresh hops, they are the, gosh, a good fresh hop just like punches you right in the mouth. And it, in the best way possible, it, it is the most, um, it's like, it's like taking that hop and then, uh, Turn it up to eleven. I mean, you just—it's full force of that flavor, and so sometimes you miss the nuances of it. Uh, however, um, fresh hops are fantastic. Love them. Uh, what was the other question? I don't remember. I'm I'm up for all of it. You they all—all all of those different aspects. I again, this is why I enjoy beer so much because you can have such. So many different varieties from the exact same ingredients and even down to the exact same hops. And you can have, you know, almost unlimited different beers with the exact same hop and they're going to come out and taste different. It's, I love it. I love, yeah. I love the unique aspect that you can create with beer. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm not trying to over, you know, state it here, but it really is like beautiful. The, uh, mm-hmm. Coors, Coors Light is my favorite example because I, yeah. like I said a few minutes ago, but I, I'm a, I, I hold myself to, I'll drink any beer. I'm not opposed. Yeah. Uh, if somebody throws me a Coors Light, I'll drink it and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to yeah. be like, Oh, I'm muscling this down because right. I, I, I respect the style. And I, I'm trying to respect the genre and the consistency. Right. And also that beer has all the beer ingredients. It yep. might not be my preference, but it is a beer. And, and it may include rice, but it is a beer. It may include <laughs> rice, but you know what else includes rice? Japanese rice lagers, which is a massive style for half the world. Yep. So it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it has hops in it. And just yep. by altering the ingredient uh, quantity, ne- quantity yeah. for sure, but but mainly ratio. Yeah, uh, you get top cutter IPA from Bale Breaker, right? You know, and they're they're working with different you know different varieties of grain, different varieties of hops, right. different right. variety of yeast, but at the core, those are those are the same genre of beverage, which right. is just crazy cool and interesting to me that Coors Light sits right next to Top Cutter and 
they're so they're so so completely different. It's a different, it's a different drink, but it's, it's the same. It's the di- it's so different, uh, and it's and at the same time, it's the same. It's really isn't, cool. Isn't that a unique aspect and picture of all of us, anyway? Oh wow. <laughs> wow! It's like a picture of humanity. The way we are all uh, different, but the same. Yeah, there he did it. That was beautiful. You're welcome. That was really nice. You're welcome. All right, so that's our beer talk. IPA, try it out. Um, let's go yep. to to end the segment. Uh, if if somebody was like, I don't know anything about beer. I'm new to beer. Tell me the first three IPAs that come to your mind. Oh gosh, that you'd be like, hey. If you're trying to learn how to drink beer, you should probably learn how to drink IPAs because it's going to be difficult for you to understand beer culture yeah. without understanding IPA. This is where you should start. Man, that is a the the difficulty of that question. Yeah, it's deep. Is there's well, there's so many answers to it. Yeah, and there's not a lot of wrong. Um, I honestly. I can think of some wrong. We'll let you start. Let you start. You ask the question. We'll let you start, and then I'll. Okay. So what would you say? And I want to hear your wrong, too. Well, my wrong would be anything with the word imperial in front of it. (laughs) Don't start there. Right, right. Because it's like drinking gas. (laughs) Yeah. So when I think of, like... IPAs. If I'm teaching a friend about beer, the yeah. first IPA I'm telling them to drink is Space Dust from Elysian in Seattle. Mm-hmm. The second IPA I'm telling them to drink is Top Cutter, which I'm drinking right now. And then the third IPA I'm telling them to drink goes back to Elysian, and it's called Super Fuzz. And it's an IPA with orange peel. So it's got this like little relief of citrus if you're new to the beer world and are scared of big beer that has a lot of, like Andrew was saying earlier, like that flavor profile that's like, wow, I've never drank anything that Mm -hmm. hits like this. Super Fuzz gives you a little bit of that citrus relief where there's some flavor in there that you'll recognize. Yeah. Uh, where you're like, oh, that's like orange juice. I get your brain isn't confused the entire time. So I'd maybe even say start with something like a citrus IPA to so that your brain can recognize, you know, oh, there's there's something sweet in there that we've had before that right. tastes good. Then you can start removing those things and go from super fuzz to space dust, which is like they're yeah. the big brother. And then I, I think Top Cutter is, in my opinion, the staple IPA of the Northwest. I think anything from Bale Breaker, honestly. I mean, yeah, Bottom Cutter is just as good, or maybe better. It's so, good. <laughs> it's so good, but it'll hurt you if you've never had an IPA before. Bottom Cutter will make you think twice about if you like beer if you're new. Yeah, I'm having a hard. I'll be honest, I'm having a hard time with this question. Uh, and that sounds lame, but uh, I think the one, I don't know if I have three. That's okay. And, and my answer isn't even an IPA. 
So that's, it's like null and void. It doesn't even count. But um, I would say Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It's, an, it's a pale ale. It's not an IPA. However, it is, it is, I mean, it tastes exactly like any IPA. It's fantastic. It's not over the top. It's going to be balanced. Um, it's a great introduction to the genre, even though they claim it's not even in that genre. Um, yeah, so that's, I'm going to stick with that. Out of the box. That's a great answer. Uh, I didn't answer. So all of that, I didn't answer your question. You no, asked for three. I gave you one, and it wasn't even the right answer. Well, <laughs> you're very thoughtful, though. That's a really good answer. I've said it on this uh, on this show, like we're some kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, next up on Sirius Satellite Radio, uh, uh, Sierra Nevada Paleo is probably my favorite beer that exists. So good. It is what so stinking good. And what I would consider and what I think a lot of beer people would consider the original gangster of American craft beer. Yeah. Uh, also, if you want to really just take it to another level, uh, Torpedo, Yeah. their, their extra IPA, extra IPA is, I mean... If you're like, I want to go to a party and I don't want anyone to drink my beer and you know that there's not going to be any other beer people there, take Torpedo because somebody will grab a beer out of your cooler and they'll take one sip and they will not drink the rest of it and nobody will touch. I mean, it's it's <laughs> aggressive and it's, in my opinion, just delicious. Really, really great. Yeah. It's fantastic. Really, really great. All right. That's great. IPAs are good. Try it out. If you go to your local Safeway, there will be many options uh, for you to try out. It's and that's very- probably, I mean, that's what else I'd say is don't stop with one. I mean, yeah. just, especially if you can go to like a bottle shop or somewhere in like Smokes and Suds here locally, they always have a mix and match your own six pack where they have like 30 different beers that you can mix and match to build your own six pack. Try a bunch of different ones out, and I would point you to breweries more than individual beers because you're going to find something. If you're interested in beer, you're going to find something that you like at the brewery typically. I mean, very – Amy has – I've told you my Amy has a much – well, not a much, but a fairly – a moderate – a moderate level of beers that she enjoys. Like she, she does enjoy beer. She likes beer. I love that about her. But she des- definitely has um, some limits where I don't have as many limits on my my beer enjoyment. Uh, but every single brewery that we go to, she can find something that she enjoys. And that would be my suggestion is just go try a bunch and find something you enjoy and then keep on trying. Totally. Yeah, which is the beauty of the uh, – if you're going to a, to a brewery, the beauty – of the uh, of the flight, it try, is try it out. Or if you can find a brew uh, a a bottle shop that does a build your own six pack, mm-hmm. go in and if you're like I'm gonna learn if I like IPAs, you can get six yeah. IPAs from all across the world. Uh, yeah. 
most of them, most IPAs are probably going to be from here in the old US of A, but you can, you can find stuff from different breweries from all over the place. And, and you might get to the end and be like, I'm not an IPA person and that's okay, but try it out. Cause it'll, it'll grow on you. I bet. Yep. Yep. All right. I open another beer before we move into our next okay. segment here. Uh, I've switched over to a pale ale from one of my favorite breweries that in my opinion doesn't get enough recognition um i mentioned i mentioned their uh their brainchild earlier uh the Bodies off of but this is uh, johnny utah pale ale from georgetown brewing georgetown. uh one of the things this is also a seattle brewery one of the things i love about georgetown is that on their cans, it says, please refrigerate, warm beer sucks. And they're totally right. You know, we it, could do a podcast on temperature of beers. That might be that might be too much of a deep dive. That'd be a that'd be a pretty small portion of people that probably would pay attention to that, but Yeah. We could. I because have a lot of opinions about it. Well there's also um I mean, there is definitely a suggestion of the temperature that the beer should be at per style. And some beers, you actually, by keeping them too cold, you're actually muting the hop profile on them. Mm -hmm. And by allowing it to breathe a little bit, warm up a little bit, um, it's just like a nice bouquet just opens right up in your nose and mouth. Yeah. That's weird. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, right. Okay, enough about beer. All right, moving on. Uh, segment two. We're going to talk. Now, we're recording. I don't know when these are going to get posted because we're still learning what that means. But <laughs> it is February We're just going to email them to a bunch of people is what we're going to do. Is that how podcasts work? <laughs> you just fax it to people? <laughs> Uh, today's February 10th and, uh, which means football season just ended and Andrew and I are both, uh, big football fans. Uh, both we, we talked about fandom and, uh, in another episode, but football is over and we thought it would be interesting to talk about fantasy football and the complete enterprise uh, that is wrapped around fantasy football. I and know it is massive. It's it's bigger than regular football, I think. I'm. You keep talking. I'm gonna Google some things. But I'm curious or interested in. I, I thought we'd start with maybe a brief Holy. explanation of what fantasy football is for those who don't know. Yeah. I assume most people know, but if they don't know, uh, maybe a brief explanation followed by, uh, personal, uh, interest, like why we're interested in fantasy football. So before I, my mind is reeling cause I just Googled how big is fantasy football. That was a mistake. And the first thing that pops up says that 
fantasy football is an $18.6 billion market. Yeah, I believe it. That's not small. That's that's a lot. We live in a state that uh, sports gambling is still illegal. Yeah. Fingers crossed, not for long. But rumor is that we're going to be last on the list to legalize sports gambling. That's right. We've legalized other things, apparently. Yeah. Like all the cool stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't know. The the thing about fantasy football from so so I'll fantasy football is for those who don't know, fantasy football is a game within the game of football. Mm-hmm. Professional football exclusively. Uh, so, the, and by football, I mean American football for all of our international listeners. <laughs> Soccer is stupid, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Uh, whoa, the, whoa, whoa. I'm just hey. saying the truth. The numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Our, well, world numbers might be telling you a different truth. Well, and let's just world, say, hey, let's work not to ostracize our singular international listener. <laughs> Listen. I'm just saying how I feel. Sorry, uh, you can do that. The So the game of fantasy football is you get some friends together or people you yep. don't know. It doesn't really matter if you know them or not. You create a league of 10 to... 12, sometimes less than 10 if you want to have a complicated league, but typically 10 or 12 people. And you essentially create a fake team, a football team, and you draft players from all of the teams in the real league, which is the National Football League. And you pick players to fill your roster. And then there is a scoring system based on each player's individual performance every week. And they collect points for you on your collective team. So if you have a team if you have a player from team A and a player from team B, even if they're playing against each other on a Sunday afternoon during football season, if they both score touchdowns, you receive the points for your fantasy team. Doesn't matter that they're playing against each other. Yeah. So basically, it, it's a com- it's a complete subculture of football that has nothing to do with what is actually happening in the National Football League. Right now, there's a lot of weird things, and uh, for me as a guy who cares about the game. Uh, which is a weird thing for me to care about because I have no skin in the game because I didn't play the game or I don't have any, I don't make any money off the game of football. But fantasy football opened up a completely new stratosphere of football fans because it's gambling. That's what you're doing. Whether you're playing in a league for money, uh, here in the state of Washington, you're not allowed to gamble on sports. Uh, you know, according to your taxes, uh, but (laughs) 
<laughs> most fantasy football leagues, from my understanding, there, there's a wager on the line. There's there's whether yep. it whether it be just talking crap and having pride and and stuff with your pals, or you know people throw throw some money on the table and 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 play, and it's really fun. The thing that is yep. the most interesting to me about it is that as soon as you start playing fantasy football, almost every NFL game matters to you. Right. So you're no longer just watching one game every weekend. If there's a game on, you can find a reason to care about it. Yep. Even if that reason is the guy I'm playing or the girl I'm playing this week in fantasy, their tight end is playing in this game. So now I care about this game because I want to make sure I want to watch to make sure that they have a bad game or against them. If they have a good game, I'm going to witness it and freak out and be frustrated. So it, it gives you, you know, it gives you skin in every game. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, for me, so we've been in a fantasy league for, gosh, how many years now? It's been a lot. Quite I mean, we gotta, be, we gotta be pushing 10. Yeah. It's, it's getting up there. Um, and when I first started out, I was a Seahawk fan and that was it. So I didn't know other players from other teams very well. I mean, everybody knows if you're in, I mean, let's just put it this way. If you watch ESPN every once in a while, you have an idea of the, the elite players, but when you're drafting, really, you, you got to know like the top 300 players, 200 at least. Um, and, and so it, the first couple of years was a huge learning curve of gaining an appreciation for other players on other teams and figuring out how their stats would correlate to me winning fantasy football games. And gosh, it has been a great, my wife would call it a time waster, uh, but outlet for me to just enjoy something that has zero impact. We don't play for money. So I have no, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just fun to be able to have an investment, so to speak, in so many different games um, that you can pay attention to. You can gain strategy. And it's been around for a long time. Um, I think it's been around since like the 50s or 60s. Um, in various different, you know, definitely some small stages and small startups and stuff like that. But um, it's been around for a long time. And just in the last decade or so, it has exploded, um, which is it's kind of been fun to be part of the explosion of popularity on it. Um, yeah, I uh, like I said. I used to just be solely a Seahawk fan, so I knew my team, and that was it. And now, just about any team, I could have a conversation with someone and know a handful of their players on that team and be informed about it as far as, like, injuries and, you know, who they have coming up and who the backup is, and I don't know. 
if you enjoy if you enjoy the idea, just entertaining the idea of being a GM for a team and a coach, really. I mean, you're because you're putting players in. Because the way that typically you have, well, now I'm, now I'm not looking at it, but you have a set amount of players that are actually playing, and you also have a set amount of players that you have to put on your bench. So not all of the players that you have on your team are playing every week. And you have to decide, depending on matchups and depending on you know who's hot right now and, and trends and coaching styles and all kinds of the defense that they're going to play against, you have to decide who's going to be starting, who's going to be getting you points. And if they're on your bench, you don't get any of their points for that week. So, I mean, the nuances of it are, like I said, if you like the idea and think, if you've ever complained about your local team and been like, dude, my GM is an idiot. He can't draft worth crap. And that's really where the idea of fantasy football came came from, is there's a bunch of dudes sitting around a table and they said, if you could, and they were complaining about their team, and, and that conversation led to, if you could redraft, if you, we could just reset the entire NFL, all of the players, and you think you could draft better than your GM, what would that look like? And then they came up with a point system, and, uh, as, in essence, to be able to evaluate how, how well you did. So it's fun. I enjoy it. A lot of people don't enjoy it. Even more people do enjoy it, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I got to go pee. I'll be right back. Okay. In the jungle, the mighty jungle. Can you hear me? You did hear me. I could hear you, but <laughs> I had muted my mic, so I couldn't talk back. That's what I figured. Oh, okay. Sorry. Down and a half a day. Really gets to me. All right. <laughs> uh, of whiskey, gallon and a half of whiskey a day. Oh, it's a it's different my, level. It's my 2021 uh, uh, resolution. Oh, I mean, you gotta have goals, I guess. So that's yeah. Yeah, I made some really good, uh, really good lemonade drink. So I bought some vodka. And it was just like, hey, do two parts of this vodka and three parts of lemonade and enjoy. Yeah. I was like, well, I'll try it. Um, I was okay with it. I'm not a big, I'm not a big, big vodka fan though. Mm-hmm. And so tonight, I still had the lemonade, and I made, I took some gin instead, and lemonade, a mm-hmm. dash of bitters, and. Did I put anything else in there? Mm, I think that might have been it. It was oh, I put some tonic water in there too. Oh, nice! And it came out real tasty. That's nice. I don't know anything about cocktails, so oh, dude, it's so much fun. I've been making a a coffee martini, some variations on that lately. Yeah, it's like the most delicious dessert drink. It's fantastic. That's Sorry. awesome. That's why I bought the vodka to start with. That's fun. My problem is that anywhere that sells cocktails probably has beer. Yeah. And so I end up just being like, what do you have for beer? Yeah. I won't. I, 
nine times out of ten, I will buy beer at the at the restaurant rather than a cocktail because I feel like the the value, even though beers incredibly overpriced in the restaurant i feel like cocktails are even more overpriced mm-hmm. and so what's changed for me has been hanging out with josh claire because he makes a mean margarita it's fantastic yeah. and then the longer we hang out we start to like try things yeah it's fun and so that's what i've been doing too it's fun all right, so back to Phineas anyway, football. Uh, back to Phineas football. So you were saying, you, you mentioned something earlier about the, you said you used to be only a Seahawk fan. Yep. And then fantasy football opened up your eyes to other things. So would you say now? Yeah. It, it's a th- This is a thing I'm really interested in when it comes to football fans. Yeah. Has fantasy football become more important to you than your flagship NFL fandom? My my Seahawk fandom? Yeah. Like, do you care more about your fantasy team than you do the team, the, the actual team you cheer for? Absolutely not. I'm really glad like it's you not said even, that. It's not even... Um, I would lose my fantasy game every single week if the Seahawks would win. I, I and it wouldn't even. I wouldn't think twice about it. Like it would be, I would be in heaven losing and going over sixteen or seventeen, and and letting the Seahawks win, than having the Seahawks win or lose and me having a good fantasy football day. So I consistent. I'm bad at fantasy football, and uh, as you know, because we've been playing together for a long time. You're not bad. You're always in the top. You're always in the top five. Well, here's the problem. This is what separates me from the top five. This is what makes me in the top five and never win. Is I can't separate the two. I I care about the Seahawks so much more than I care about my fantasy team that. Every single week, if anybody on my fantasy football team is playing against the Seahawks, I won't play them because I can't mentally wrap my head around hoping they do well. I just don't hope that they do well. <laughs> well, yeah, but then at the end of, at the end of the day, so if if my if I have a kicker, if my kicker yeah. plays for the if my kicker is uh, uh, Robbie Gould, Gould, okay. Gould, Gould for San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco is the San Francisco Santa Clara 49ers are playing against the Seattle Seahawks. I will, I, see I, I will drop him, even though he's a great kicker, and I will pick up a kicker that I've never heard of his name to play that week for my team on fantasy football because if the Seahawks game comes down to a field goal and San Francisco's kicker, the San Francisco Santa Clara's kicker makes that field goal, even if the Seahawks lose, 
I want to feel my team lose, and I don't want there to be a moment later where I go, well, at least my guy made the – at least that guy was on my fantasy team, so I have that to look forward to. And maybe I I am – I'm sure I am what most people would consider a a psychopath, but I I can't separate my brain. I can only care about one thing the most. So I've decided I care about the Seahawks more than I care about my fantasy team. Yeah. And that means a few things. One of the things it means is that I cannot draft – New England Patriots onto my fantasy team. You can and now. I, and I can't. Suck. And I can't. Well, now you wouldn't draft them. Burn. Uh, and it also means that I cannot draft the San Francisco 49ers because they're, they're the rival. Well, well, that's a whole other. Are they the rival or are the Rams the rival at this point? Oh, you talking about the Matt but, Stafford Rams, dude? But. That's a whole other conversation. I here's the thing. I think you get too far into it because that player is going to score points regardless of who they're playing against. Oh, it has nothing to do with them, right? It's, it's me. So, so I, the way I've looked at it, or at least maybe justified it in your perspective, might be the word that you would use. Is so to use your Robbie Gold example. He's going to get those points regardless, whether he's playing against the Seahawks, whether he's playing against the Jets. The way I look at fantasy players are they're not necessarily playing against my team or even a team. They're just scoring points. Like It's just stats. It's purely just stats on a line. They're gaining stats, and, and that's it. So I'm, I, there's no fandom... My, or I should say, my fandom easily is my is the thing that I care about. The fantasy aspect is just a can I find the people that are going to get me the most stats? And I don't love it when they play against the Seahawks, but I don't um, I don't bench someone or I don't drop someone or trade someone away just because they're going to play against us. So or not draft someone. You're a better person than me. And also, obviously, more mentally disciplined than me. But I'd like to address a few things you just said. The first being that you said whether gold is kicking against the Seahawks or the Jets, as if those two things are in the same category, shame on you. (laughs) Uh, And that's a disgrace. To the organization that is the Seattle Seahawks. I just picked one of the 32 teams. Well, one of the other 31 teams. One of the other 30 teams because he's on a team. The Lincoln Middle School 7th grade football team is a better run organization (laughs) than the New York Jets. Uh, I Yes, I understand that I have mental problems. I have very serious mental problems when it comes to, specifically when it comes to Seahawks football. I have mental problems in a lot of areas of my life, but that is a major one of them, is Seahawk football. And I'm I'm fine with that because your current system gets you, like I said, right up to the top five in our league. And and 
that's where you hang out. But so far, <laughs> so far you haven't cracked the top spot. So no. if you're gonna hang out at top at number five and let Travis and myself win it, then yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm fine with that. You have a great system. You should keep on doing that. Yeah. I'm here. You know, honestly, I operate my fantasy football team, it would seem, very similar to the Seahawks, uh, the way the Seahawks operate their organization, which is we're going to make the playoffs, and then we're not going to do anything after that. So we'll see what happens. Sounds like Russell Wilson's going to be a Houston Texan next year, so who knows what's going to happen. There's like $39 million that say that he won't. Well, if they trade contracts, it about evens out. So that's the dead. No, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. But if the Seahawks do a straight up trade for Deshaun Watson, what it it doesn't not make sense. What are you talking about? Listen, hear me out. I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying I want it. I don't want it. But. From Russ's perspective, Russ is, in my opinion, the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. Easily. Uh, well, maybe not easily. Matt Stafford is in that conversation. He's not missed a game. He Easily. Ha- wow. Yeah. He's in the conversation. He's... He's definitely Did underrated. you just say that Matt Stafford might be more underrated than Russ? I did. Ah. And I think most NFL fans would agree with me. But you're not most NFL fans. I know. I think Russ is the best. Russ is my favorite. I love him. He's my favorite player. 100%. But the recent news about Russ is that his people, which is basically his agent, who if you're a Seahawk fan, you know that his agent is a freaking piece of crap. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But when it comes to the industry, he's not like people don't love him. Right. And he came out with Are you sure he's a nice guy? Because I haven't heard that he's a nice guy. Well, I mean, I've never met him, so it's hard to tell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh but people don't prefer him. And he said, yeah. Russ is tired of his poor protection and the organization not investing in his protection because he gets well, sacked Russ a lot. Well, Russ said that. Well, yeah, Russ came what, out and said that on the Dan Patrick show. Sure. And and, and there's a lot of Seahawks fans that are like, but also Russ is right. He's been sacked more than any quarterback ever in their first nine years. Mm-hmm. He's cons- the Seahawks consistently since they won the Super Bowl have been bad at running the ball and good at watching Russ run around and get sacked. So yep. I also understand Russ's take where if an organization was like, we'll pay you the same amount of money as Seattle and we have a great O-line. I get that being appealing. Now, I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he would ever do that. It's not his choice, though, right? Uh, Well, it is his choice if the Seahawks traded his contract. I mean, they can do whatever they want. Right, but that would mean that the Seahawks had to choose to do that. I I think, I mean, 
I understand it at the end of the day. It's a business, and each individual player, it's like they're, they are their own CEO of their own individual business. I get all that. And I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. I think we talked about that during the fandom episode where I was like, that's the only jersey that I have that has somebody else's name on it. And part of that is for the exact same reasons why he won the freaking man at Walter Payton man of the year award this year. Cause he right. is, I mean, from the get go every single week, he's visited the Seattle children's hospital and he does this incredible, these incredible things within the community. And I think that he truly is one of, one of the athletes that I see. And of course you can nitpick and he can say, well, he has so many more millions, but He's actually utilizing his millions to to create some life change for some other people, and it's uh, it's enough that I have a I have a great amount of respect for him. Totally. So that's why I have his jersey. But when it comes down to the Seahawks decision, because it would have to be the Seahawks decision to do that, um, I don't think I don't think that trading Russell Wilson for Deshaun Watson makes sense because. Like I said before, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame Hall of Famer. That's not even in, in question anymore, and he has not missed a game. Whereas Deshaun Watson, he, that that's a coin flip. Is he going to be a player that's going to be injury plagued? Maybe. Does he also have incredible physical abilities? Yeah, absolutely. But he's gotten hurt, and. I, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's not a one-for-one one trade. It's not a one-for-one, one. in my opinion. Um, we got way off track. No, it's fun. But We're having a good time. It's fantasy football. It's fantasy football. Would you take Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson? Deshaun Watson. Oof. Again. Do you know um, why, though? I'll tell you This why. is hilarious because you said that you wouldn't even – Play a different player against the Seahawks on fantasy, and yet you're just outright saying that you would choose Deshaun Watson over Russell Wilson. Allow me to explain myself. I, I, I am. I just had to comment. I okay. yes. Every yeah, I agree with you. Every I can't fathom <laughs> that trade between Russ and Houston for Deshaun happening. That w- right. if that actually happens, I will have to take a day off at l- at least a day off of work to wrap my head around what is happening in the NFL. But this is my difficulty with fantasy football: is it's not football. So it's not regular football. If we're talking about who do I want to be the quarterback of my NFL team that I cheer for, I would choose Russell over everybody else in the NFL. Uh, and I mean that. And it's there's Patrick some, Mahomes? No. Uh, no. I'm taking multiple people before I'm taking Mahomes. But. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you forget that Aaron Rodgers plays in the NFL? Oh, I wouldn't take Aaron Rodgers for anything. Oof, to malarkey. That's a complete. We can. We're opening up a can of worms here. I love it. Uh, 
Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of our generation, except for Tom Brady. False. Uh, False. He is so good. Did you forget uh, about Peyton Manning? Oh, sorry. I was talking about my generation. I didn't realize <laughs> we were talking about your generation, you old bag of balls. Uh, no, Peyton's the best. Yeah, Peyton's awesome. Uh, well, he's not the best, but he's really close. Uh, anyways, uh, fantasy football. Yeah. I would take Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson over Russ. And the reason is that right now Deshaun Watson plays for an organization who's probably going to be losing the game in the second half, which means he is going to do everything in his ability to score points, which means he's going to run the ball, he's going to take hits if he has to, and he's going to chuck it downfield into risky situations, which in the world of fantasy is a roll of the dice either uh, either you know awesome or horrible because right. in fantasy right. football it doesn't matter if the team of your player wins or losers loses so if Deshaun Watson's on losers. my team losers if Deshaun Watson's on my team they're probably going to the the Texans statistically are going to lose the game but if they're down by 14 going into the second half and Deshaun's on my team in fantasy, I have pretty high hopes that he's going to throw the ball a ton. And that's how you get fantasy points. So there's a strategy in fantasy football of picking quarterbacks who are highly skilled but are on bad teams because if they're losing in games, they're going to be really aggressive and they're going to sling the rock and they're not going to run it uh, to the running back. They're going to try to pass, and if that doesn't work, they're going to run it themselves, which is extra points for you in fantasy football. So when I'm drafting, I typically try to go for quarterbacks who are good QBs on medium to bad teams because I think in the second half of games, they're going to take a ton of risks. And some weeks it's not going to work out, but some weeks they're going to, you know, they're going to throw three touchdowns in the second half and still lose the game. Right. Right. But listen, that all Russell Wilson that all makes sense. Russell Wilson. However, I will kill this guy if I don't see him make some changes. He's the best. He's the best guy, like you just said, Walter Payton man of the year. Human, there's nobody more like could we ask for a better role model for the children of our region who like sports. Right. He's the best. He's the coolest guy. He's so chill. Uh, he set, you know, he's just cool, calm, collect all the time. He's got a strategy. He makes plays and all this stuff. Please, Seattle Seahawks, please get him some pass protection. It's been eight years since he's had a good O line, and when he had a good O line, they won the freaking Super Bowl. So just do that. Yep. And also, can we please stop? Comparing every quarterback to if they're going to catch Tom Brady. Because it's a it's a stupid comparison. It's putting a false pressure on Russ and on Mahomes and on Drew Brees and on Aaron Rodgers and on Ben Roethlisberger and on Peyton Manning. Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I just listed. Yep. 
And the talk right now, after TB12 just won his seventh, every headline is like, will Mahomes win eight? Right. That can't be the bar. We can't just say, to be good, you have to be the best. That is just it's it's just so crazy to me. I feel bad for these, you know. Patrick Mahomes is twenty four years old. Yep, and we're like, which is which blows my mind that you would choose Aaron Rodgers over Patrick Mahomes. Well, you know, I give honor where honor is due. Patrick Mahomes has do you? uh, Yeah, I do. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes Mahomes has has been to more Super Bowls. Well, In I four think years. I think that Patrick Mahomes is a very good football player. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I, if the Seahawks had to play another quarterback in the NFL, and this is what I'm basing it off of, is if <laughs> Sunday was coming, who am I most scared of? Without a doubt, if it's if it, it, without a doubt it's Aaron Rodgers, I'm more scared of Aaron Rodgers than I am of Tom Brady. Nobody throws the ball yeah. like Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I don't. Here's uh, maybe. Uh, I don't want to trash on you. you I was going to say me. maybe my fandom's a little bit different. We're talking about stupid I'm not stuff. A, you can say anything right now. I'm not going to get offended. Okay. It's not personal. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of any. I'm not afraid of anyone. You know the people I'm afraid of? The Seattle Seahawks. You know why? Because we get in our way more than any other team. Like, it's not whether somebody's going to be better than us. It's whether we play worse than we should. I mean, it's the same thing. If we were playing in the Super Bowl this year, I feel like we had we would have had just as much of a chance as either of those teams, whether we showed up that day. If we show up with our A game, it's a ball game. We have a chance. And that's... I guess that's the problem with being a Seahawks fan is you always have a chance, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, I was going to say, as far as strategy-wise, if people are actually listening to this anymore, I don't know. I feel like fantasy football, you can lose some folks. But as far as strategy, and I'll, I'll give you insight. I don't know if I should say this because you're in my league, so I'm giving, I'm, I'm giving you my intel. But I am... I am forever and always, so far at least, I'm a late drafter of the quarterback position. And yes, that is the position that you get the most points from. But if you look at the end of the year stats right now, which I did, for the quarterback position, from 1 to 10, the first, uh, the, the first, Top quarterback of the year was Josh Allen. He averaged 24.8 points. The 10th best quarterback this year averaged 22.2 points per game as Lamar Jackson. So that's the point spread of the top 10. So And, and those players are drafted in very different places. Well, maybe not Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, but uh, Aaron Rodgers was number two on the list. Kyler Murray was number three. Uh, Deshaun Watson, or I guess 
Yeah, Kyler Murray, number three, Patrick Mahomes, four, Deshaun Watson, five, Russell Wilson, six. So, I mean, all of those guys were drafted real high. And my strategy on quarterback, and as is most, it's value-based drafting. So now we're talking about Matthew Berry. But hmm. you find the inventor of fantasy value- football. Yeah. Not inventor, but just the most the most out loud figure of it. Um, the one who made it what it is. Yeah, that's true. So you draft based on where you find value. And I've so far what I've seen, and it's it's often frustrating because most of the other quarterbacks that I'm playing against will score more than my my quarterback will. But you make those points up in other areas. In addition to that, the other area, and I think this is the only reason why I've won a couple times, is because of my free agent pickups, which we haven't even mentioned that. That's part of fantasy football. Every single week, you have the opportunity to drop players from your team and pick up other players that are free agents, that are not a part of any other team. And every single year... There are undrafted players that arise week three, week four, week five, and all of a sudden they're leading the league. I mean, Josh Allen was not drafted super high. I mean, he was drafted pretty high, but he was not drafted as the number one quarterback in the league. Um, Let me look at all offensive players. So... Of course, it starts off with quarterbacks because they score more points than everybody else. Um, but it goes Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Calamari, Alvin Kamara. Uh, let me get down a little bit. Devontae Adams actually scored more points than Ryan Tannehill. Um, Justin Herbert is a quarterback. He was the number nine quarterback. And he wasn't even the starter on his own football team in the NFL at the beginning of the season. And he finished at number nine and he didn't even play all, all of the games in the season. Yeah. He's got a can. So you can find, I mean, well done university of Oregon grad props to my hometown. Yeah. Homeland, not hometown. Uh, so you can, you can find players that do really well. In the especially the first about the first third first quarter of the season, just by getting on the waiver wires and picking those picking those players up. Um, I hate trading during fantasy football. I don't like it because everybody feels like you're trying to take advantage of them. But at least that's what has been in our league. Yeah. So, uh, what would you say? If you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's curious about fantasy football, maybe never played before, or maybe somebody who's not like yeah. a diehard football fan, if if yeah. you were trying to like tell somebody this is what fantasy football is uh, for you personally, what would you say? Yeah. Um, I would say it's... Um as best you can, get familiar before you draft. You need to get familiar with your rules, how the scoring works in your league that you're going to play in. Because um, that's going to, that's going to, I mean, if you don't know how you're scoring points, then you don't know how to draft. 
in in different leagues with a scoring system, you're gonna you need to draft differently because there are some variables in there. Whether it's, um, I don't need to go into detail, but there's uh, there's a bunch of different you know scoring difference differentiation of scoring in leagues. Um, so know your league, and then. Know the players. So as best you can, again, if you're not really that familiar with football, try to do a little bit. If you're in, if you're actually interested in this and you want to be part of it and you want to be successful at it, if you're just doing this to whatever, then don't worry about it and just enjoy losing. <laughs> but if you actually want to win some games, you need to learn and be familiar with as many players as you can. You need to learn the starters of teams. Um, so... You need to know who the top running back of all 32 teams are. You need to know who the backup of those running backs are and which teams are actually more likely to use a you know, running back by committee where there's going to be two or even three running backs that have value in them. You need to know if a team is going to be a passing team or if it's going to be a running team. You need to know, um, just start to be familiar with the systems that teams have as well as their players and the top out, output players. So... Just because a team, you know, let's use the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions of this year. They have incredible pass catchers on that team. The problem with having a bunch of different pass catchers is that you don't know who's going to be catching the ball because there's five different guys on the field that could be catching the ball. And they're all high-quality players. So that means that the, you know... Only one person can catch the ball at a time. So you got to figure out, okay, well, just because I get a really good receiver doesn't mean that they're going to consistently have, um, you know, consistent output. That's a lot of information. That's a lot of, but, I mean, just get familiar. Get familiar with teams. Get familiar with their strategies. Get familiar with players. Um, Before the draft, try to know, if you've never done this before, try to know the top 100 players. And there's all different kinds of, um, you know, rankings and stuff like that, and just work your way through and f- figure out how to get familiar. And if you can extend a hundred out to two hundred or two hundred out to three hundred, um, that's gonna that's gonna help you out. Because there's two. I mean, you have to draft well. You can't. What's the saying? You can't win your league in the draft, but you can absolutely lose it in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to. You can't draft horribly, I guess is the way to put it. Um, so you can't make a bunch of big blunders. Um, two, you have to be on waiver wires. You can't, even if you have the best draft ever, if you're not if you're not picking up players throughout the season, you're not gonna you're not gonna end up well. You're not gonna do well because there's too many there's too much value uh, that was missed in the draft, or that changed or was altered after the draft. Mm-hmm. Because people get hurt, players get hurt, and you have somebody else step up into a, a different role. And, I mean, it's just, it's it's really enjoyable, but you do have to be, it takes it takes some time, investment into it, takes some intention, attention. Yeah. I don't know if that was advice or just, I don't know. No, totally advice. That's fantasy football. Fantasy football. Uh, my advice to anybody who's like, I've been thinking about playing fantasy football, or maybe you already play fantasy football, 
and you're in a league and maybe you've been going for a long time, my advice would be put a date on the calendar and draft in person. Hmm. It's very fun. Uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, that has nothing to do with the actual playing of the game, but having a draft night where everybody's in the same room and yep. you're maybe slinging back some brewskis, maybe eating some hot zaw or something like that. Uh, it's it's really really fun to get together with your fantasy league. And draft and we we got a big board a few years and it's very fun if you want to get like a big old real draft board it's really great but even without that if you can get everybody around the same table to draft on draft night you know it's like august everyone's getting psyched for football season and uh it's really really fun and i'm not like i said you know earlier i'm not good at fantasy football but it is such a good time to text your friends on a Sunday morning or, you know, Monday morning and be talking crap and just, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. And so it's fun to make right. it something because it doesn't, you know, everybody knows yeah. it doesn't really matter. But just to have something that's like a little bit competitive but friendly and, uh, it's a good time. I'm a big fan for putting money on the line. Uh, my league doesn't play for money, which is yeah. a real shame. I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Uh, <laughs> and for me, it's a missed opportunity for me. Take your money from for me. you. Yeah, you could borrow some of my money. Uh, if uh, if anybody's listening to this who has anything to do with politics in the state of Washington, please, dear God, please. Let FanDuel and DraftKings come to our state. I am just dying over here. Uh, I would love to play fantasy football for money on a a sports gambling website that is audited and taxed. How is it not legal? You're going to take a cut. Anyways. I was going to say something else. So this is more broad picture fantasy football. And more just... Beyond fantasy football, I think this is just life in general. This world has so many things that we feel like we have to care about to a great degree. Mm -hmm. Like, our life requires us to invest emotional time and energy and mental ability. I mean, it requires us to invest in different things. Whether it be in relationships, whether it be finances, whether it be in your work, whatever it is. I think part of the reason I love fantasy football is it is time that I can actually care about something that has no... It has no bearing on the rest of my life. It's not going to... If I make a bad decision in fantasy football, it's not, it's not a consequence that I'm going to feel you know, a month later... It's not a consequence I'm going to feel in my bank account. It's not going to ruin a relationship. Like, I I can just care about something that is meaningless. And I don't think that we have enough of those things in life. I I think that we have too many things that we care about that we feel will change the entire direction of our lives in. And this is one of those things that, no, it's it's not going to change anything in your life other than just allowing you 
to relax, enjoy, be invested in something that's not really has no consequence to it, and and build some relationship with some people, and enjoy enjoy a weekend where you get to just be more invested and more aware of quality athleticism. I don't know. That's my two cents. I couldn't have said it any better myself, my friend. And that's why I'm friends with you is because you think things like that. So I think that's where we should end it. That's a perfect outro. Cool. Uh, I love you. I love talking to you, bro. Love you too. Let's, Always love talking to let's you. Let's do it again soon. If you're listening to this, thank you. Yeah. I don't know why you're listening to this, but uh, Andrew and I are having a For great time. For fantasy football advice. Exactly. I could send you some podcasts. <laughs> if you tuned into this looking for fantasy football advice, just <laughs> shoot me a text and I'll send you some real podcasts that will help. Or maybe not because I get fifth place in my league every year. Uh, but if you're listening, thank you. Where did you finish this year? Fifth every year, bro. That's I quick. make. I barely, did you really? I barely I not make. I'm the best team not in the playoffs every year. Yeah. Um, but this okay. is fun, uh, and uh, we're gonna keep yep. it going for as long as we can. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what's in store cool. for the next episode. Yep. Come on back. All right. We'll see you later. Cheers, man. Cheers.